One hour in the books, one more to go. Jimmy B and TC continues here on 1700 KBGG. We'll hear from Jimmy B later this hour. He'll stop by and uh, we'll talk a lot with him. Mentioned Jimmy B, boy, he uh, he was going after you Cubs fans last night on Twitter. So we'll confront the old man. Yeah, we don't need any trolling around here. Look, from time to time, I enjoy a good troll. But, you know, Jim, sometimes he just... It's too far out there. We'll we'll try to rein the old man back in. We'll have some fun with him later on this hour. Before that, Andrew Garda, he's going to be here in about 15 minutes. We'll talk plenty of NFL with Andrew Garda from Pro Football Weekly. He'll be joining me here in just a little bit. But as we begin the second hour of the program, back to where we started things at the top. And, of course, the disappointing loss for the Chicago Cubs. And, and I understand Cubs fans, the frustration that is there and. A lot of times you want a scapegoat. You want somebody that you can point at and say, this is the reason that this team disappointed this year. And it is a disappointment. I I don't think you can point at this season and call it anything but that. Were there injuries? Absolutely. Was there disappointment? Sure. You look at the lineup. Chris Bryant was not the same guy. He was not the MVP level player that you anticipate. Anthony Rizzo had 100 RBI, but even his year certainly was rocky. It wasn't the season that you normally expect out of out of the captain, out of the guy that I call the heartbeat of the team in Rizzo. Addison Russell, no improvement there. Schwarber, not great. Okay, good numbers, not great. And really outside of Javi Baez, this offense as a whole, we didn't see a continued evolution from Wilson Contreras. We, we didn't see Ian Happ have that explosive year that some people anticipated. Hayward was better. But overall, there were plenty of things offensively that you saw in just the nature of 40 games this season where they scored zero run run. I mean, that just it's, it's not good enough. The Orioles had that same mark this year. And then seeing Milwaukee celebrate and winning the NL Central. And then seeing last night Colorado celebrating and both doing it in Wrigley Field. The lead that you had going into the final month, the way that dissipated, the way Milwaukee turned it on down the stretch and overtook in the end, obviously, with Game 163. There's plenty of frustration there. The people that want to point at Joe Madden, my question to you is who do you look at and think, this guy is the difference. This is the manager that is going to take this team from what they were, a 95-win team, and then make them better come playoff time. Does Madden push buttons differently than some managers? Absolutely. Day-to-day doesn't do it differently than most everybody, there's no doubt. He's a weird, quirky dude. But with that being said, you need a guy like that, I believe. A guy that, when it gets mundane, when it gets boring, is going to have a little fun. He's going to bring in weird, exotic animals. He's going to have the team dress up in stupid outfits. Those kind of things over the course of 162 are important. To keep you going. You're playing that long. You're playing in the dog days of summer. You need a little bit of that. You need different kind of motivation. What manager is going to make a difference? That bullpen wasn't good. Your rotation, two-fifths of it, didn't give you much of anything this year. And what they did, it was brutal. Bringing in Tyler Chatwood, that's a big red minus mark next to Jed Hoyer and Theo Epstein. That was terrible. He was awful. 
Anderson the year before was bad. You Darvish, you expected, but remember you Darvish. This is a guy that maybe was tipping pitches. He was not very good in the World Series. He was roughed up badly. Was it tipping pitches or just a guy going the wrong way? But they went out, they spent the money, and they did not get a return on that investment. That goes to the front office. And as bullpens continue to evolve and change, you let Wade Davis walk, thought you had it figured out, well, you saw what happened because of injury, and that bullpen just wasn't, wasn't an elite level. And that's what baseball is becoming. That's what playoff baseball is becoming. And yeah, we talked a lot about the offensive problems, and that's why I believed even if they would have won last night, the Cubs were not a team that I was going to pick or bet on to get to the World Series. It just it was not that type of team to me. But the bullpen maybe is the biggest reason. I don't think you can get by the way baseball is currently played. You can get by with that kind of bullpen. So I point more towards what you see in the front office. And Theo Epstein ended the streak in Boston. Credit. Ended it in Chicago. He is a Hall of Famer. Those two alone make him a Hall of Famer. He could have non-playoff teams the other 20, 30, 40, 50 years that he runs teams, but because of what he did in Boston and Chicago with the Cubs, that is a Hall of Fame resume. Still, look at him in free agency in his time in Boston. There are Red Sox fans that will tell you it's ugly. Now couple with what we've seen the last couple of years in Chicago. And to go along with it, what you have on the horizon. Something needs to be done to help this team offensively. Now, Chris Bryant healthy and playing at an MVP level, that's going to cure a lot what ails this team. But the decisions that need to be made, Cole Hamels, do you pick up that $20 million extension for him? Or do you let him walk? The Rangers have to pay the $5 million to get out of it, and maybe you can sign him to a two-year deal for $30 million and save a little bit of money and get him for an extra year. It's a possibility. Jesse Chavez says he's not going to pitch for another organization. It's either the Cubs are going to bring him back or he's going to retire. Now that hurts your negotiation a little bit, saying something like that. I mean, slow down, Jesse. Do you want to get a little bit more at the end of your career? Regardless of that, though, there's a decision. What do you do with Kyle Schwarber? Two years ago, even as he was injured, he had a ton of trade value. As they were making trades with the White Sox to get Quintana before that, Aroldis Chapman from the Yankees, as they were making those moves, they could have also helped replenish their farm system by trading away an injured asset in Kyle Schwarber. They didn't do it. Now, where is the value? What kind of value do you have for Kyle Schwarber? Addison Russell, can you get anything from him, for him? With what's happening with his domestic assault allegations, Suspended by MLB, what happens there? Is Hobby a full-time shortstop? A lot of people I know, of course, want Bryce Harper. For the money that you're going to have to invest on that guy, I frankly don't think it makes a lot of sense. I think there are better, smarter ways to spend your money than doling out $30 million a year to bring in Bryce Harper, who's an incredible talent, but was never able to get over the hump with a talented Washington team this year. They certainly were a huge disappointment. The runaway favorites in the preseason to be the team, to be the champion of the National League East, and we saw the way that that went. 
I don't think that's the one that makes sense, at least to me. Going to be an interesting offseason in Chicago and what Jed Hoyer and Theo Epstein decide to do in turning over this team. But I don't think going to the manager makes a lot of sense, even if they don't get along, even if they get annoyed with him. There's more good than bad, in my mind, with Joe Madden. We're taking a break, coming back here with more football talk. We're talking NFL next. In regard to joins us, Jimmy B and TC continues on 1700 KBGG. I'm Trent Condon. Welcome back as we continue on taking you up until 6 o'clock tonight. Trent Condon on a solo edition of Jimmy B and TC. Jim's going to stop by here a little bit later on. But right now, we are talking NFL, the National Football League with our friend Andrew Garda, who jumps on on a Wednesday, a day before we get started again with week number five of the NFL. Andrew, how are things out east? You know, can't really complain uh, unless you happen to like the Giants or Jets, in which case nothing but complaints. Yeah, understandable there, and maybe we'll get a hit from you uh, on those squads. But uh, starting here with our Midwest outpost, and our team here on 1700 is the Kansas City Chiefs home and away with the call from Mitch Holtis every single week. They're off to the 4-0 start. I, though, was incredibly impressed. I walked away probably in the worst game statistically that we've seen out of uh, out of the ridiculous nature of this Kansas City offense and what we're seeing out of Patrick Mahomes. I maybe walked away more impressed doing it in primetime, Monday Night Football, the country watching in Denver. I think we learned a lot about Patrick Mahomes on Monday night. How about you? Yeah, I think if you had any doubts, and, and you know, again, like I, like I will say multiple times, you're looking at a guy who's going to have some rough spots. I mean, it's going to happen. I mean, it happens to Tom Brady. We've seen that lately. So when he has those rough spots, everybody who's a KC fan has to kind of just chill out and let it happen. That being said, I mean, we, sh- we saw that he can handle the bright spotlight. We saw that he can handle the big stage. And we saw that he can handle a situation when everything's not going his way, you know, uh, you look at you look at that game, and uh, you know it, it feels like the the first three games, Pat Mahomes just blowing people, blowing the doors off of defenses, and that didn't really happen quite the same way this week. So to see him step up, to see him rebound from you know a couple of rough spots and stuff like that, I think he, I think a Kansas City Chiefs fan has to be super excited about what this guy does. And again, he'll have his bad days, uh, but I think. It's very clear right now that his good days look like they're going to outweigh his bad days by quite a bit. It's been incredible what this offense has done and how he's just hit the ground running. He does everything right. Still, the lingering doubt is there with the defense. And and what can be done? You know, Eric Berry, when he gets back, if he gets back, he'll add certainly some kind of element. Certainly probably not going to be the player that we saw early in his career before injury and illness obviously derailed would look to be maybe on his way to a Hall of Fame type of career. But what else can be done on that defensive side of the ball with Bob Sutton and company to get it, maybe not at an elite level, but at least make it adequate? Yeah, it's kind of hard to say because it feels like there are so many different problems. And I do think Reed coming back, even if he's not, a, uh, if, even if he's not the, the guy he once was, um, is still a guy who's going to be able to step up and, and play well. And just having him present there upgrades the secondary in such a way to where I think that's going to help the pass rush. You know, I've talked about before how, you know, the, the pass rush and the, and pass coverage, there's this, it's a symbiotic relationship. If you have a really, really good pass rush, then it's going to make it easier for your secondary. If you have a very good secondary, 
then it's going to make it easier on your pass rush. Right now, they don't really have either one. But having him come back, uh, having Barry come back, is going to be a situation where it's going to instantaneously up the level from, from I would say, sub-average to at least average. And that makes a huge difference, especially with the quarterbacks that they're seeing each week. Short turnaround this week as we get into week number five. It'll be Colts and Pats tomorrow night. We'll have the call here on 1700. Andrew, uh, I saw it earlier today. The Colts are going to be without T.Y. Hilton, but that's not all. Six guys have already been ruled out for the game. It's uh, certainly concerning the quick turnaround. We talked about it. We saw a great Thursday night game a week ago with the Rams and the Vikings. Maybe more of the same, a dud coming up tomorrow night. Yeah, you know, I I hate to ruin a streak, but it does feel like that's the case. I mean, you have that many guys on on a team that isn't exactly super deep Mm -hmm. with really talented players. I think it's going to be a problem. I mean, you know, here, the problem, it, it's funny. You, you look at, we were just talking about the Chiefs and Pat Mahomes, and Pat Mahomes covers up a lot of issues on the defense, right? Covers up a lot of issues, period. Andrew Luck has been doing that for years for the Colts, and before him it was Peyton Manning, you know? And the, the thing is, is that the Colts have continued to sort of just let that linger. Um, you know, I, I think the Chiefs, as time goes on, they're going to continue to build. They're going to try and improve that defense in years going forward. They're going to try and continue to put playmakers around him. The Colts really have just been like, ah, you got T.Y. Hilton, you're good. And uh, <laughs> that's a real problem. So, like, when you have six guys who aren't going to play, I don't care if they're six, you know, number two and number three guys on the depth chart. That's You, you don't have anything. You, know, you don't have mm-hmm. the, the bandwidth to let that happen. So it's hard for me not to think that this Thursday night is going to be the first real dud. Uh, you know, we, we, we've thought before that some of these games were going to be bad this season, and they've so far surprised us. So I'm open to being surprised. I just don't expect it to happen. I think the Colts are going to be in some real trouble. And, you know, if, if the Colts, if the front office and ownership have not gotten the message, that Andrew Luck, while a phenomenal quarterback, is not God and cannot just, like, fix everything all the time, and they need to give them support by now, then I'm telling you that they, they're never going to get that message. And, and it's unfortunate because they are wasting the best years of Andrew Luck's career, as far as I can tell. Well, the Patriots looked, uh, we talked about the slowness of them a couple weeks ago when we talked last, Andrew, and now uh, they look much quicker against Miami, and they get Julian Edelman back, one of 11 players that will be off four-game suspensions coming back this week. The Patriots going forward, we talk about Kansas City, they're undefeated. Are the Pats still the favorite in your mind, though, in the AFC? Uh, you know, it, it, I, you never want to count them out until they're totally down. And, uh, and, and I think by now we've, we've realized that uh, you kind of discount September Patriots. I mean, you just do. Every year we're like, oh, my goodness, the Patriots are struggling in September. It's, gonna, it's all over. And then October, November, December – it's a whole different ball game. So I'm not willing to write them off. And, you know, the, the, the Chiefs, to me, if they can fix their defense, I think they're a very strong contender. But there's not a lot in the AFC that really, you know, excites me in terms of uncrowning the Patriots. Um, you know, they, they're not what they used to be. Uh, this is a team that certainly has some flaws on defense and has been a little sketchy on offense. But, you know, at some point, Josh Gordon's going to be integrated there. You're getting Edelman back. You know, Gronkowski's banged up, but that's pretty much standard operating procedure. At some point, he'll be back as well and as healthy as he's going to get. And you have Tom Brady. And as long as you've got 
some combination there on offense, they're going to be able to move the ball, and Bill Belichick always finds a way to make that defense work. So I think it's too early to pull the ripcord on the Patriots. Uh, I think they're as weak as they've been and as vulnerable as they've been, but I just don't know that I see a team right now that's going to knock them off. You know, a couple years from now, be interesting to see the where the Browns are at. It'll be interesting to see what the Chiefs have done with that defense. It'll be interesting to see what, you know, even Miami has done. But I don't think that time is right now. Andrew Garda joining us, Pro Football Weekly, as we take a look around the NFL. Let's go to the NFC North as the Bears are alone in first place for the second consecutive week. Green Bay 2-1-1 one one after their victory last week over the Buffalo and the Vikings behind them at 1-2-1. Green Bay, Minnesota both came in with expectations at the very least, I think for the fan bases, that they were going to be a playoff team, and probably most fans expected more. Who concerns you more right now, Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers limping around out there, or the Vikings and the problems we've seen from them defensively? I feel like the Vikings. I mean, Green. listen, Aaron Rodgers being banged up is always a concern, and they've got, you know, speaking of no depth, they've got nobody behind them that I want to trust with you know, holding onto a ball of yarn, much less actually throwing the ball. But Rodgers is almost always limping. Like, there's always something going on with him, and I feel like that offense is going to get sorted out at some point soon. I know him and McCarthy are fighting, and that's kind of my biggest concern that they've gotten to that point. But I think it'll sort itself out, and I think that defense is going to improve as time goes on. My biggest concern is, like, the Vikings and how wrong the Vikings look, especially along the offensive line, an offensive line that looked so good last year and has like backslid there's been injury issues i get but i just i'm not really sure what i'm watching and on top of it we have seen a defense that's given up some significant points in the last couple weeks and you know there are there are teams that are kind of limping along trying to work things out right now that have a really good offense or a really good defense the chiefs have a really good offense they need to work on the defense but the offense helps them out uh, you know, the Browns have a very, very good defense. If they can figure the offense out or get a kicker, they could be really dangerous. But uh, to me, you know, here's a team with the Vikings that right now neither side is really working consistently. And, and I know they were able to put up some points on the board last week, but, I, you know, when you've got to play catch them up and your defense is not helping you out at all, to me, at some point that concerns me, especially when you have offensive line problems like they seem to have. And it's awfully hard to fix those in the middle of the season, and that's kind of where we're at right now. Let's go to Chicago, where the Bears, as mentioned, in first place. I mentioned this because I'm a Bears fan, and on my 13 years of uh, sports radio, I haven't been able to say this very often, Andrew, but here they are in first place, and as you look at this squad, are you a believer? Are you buying that, maybe not to win the division, but this is going to be a team in contention come December for a playoff berth? Well, I remember saying that I thought they'd be dangerous, but I thought they were like a year or so away. Adding Khalil Mack has made a huge difference on defense. I think that's nobody's shock except for maybe John Gruden. Um, but offensively, I feel like they started to let they, they started let loose of the reins a little bit on Mitch Trubisky, and that bore some fruit last week. And I'm not 100% sold on him yet, and I'm not 100% sure that they're going to keep letting him you know, it, you know, stretch the playbook a little bit. But I liked what I saw, and, you know, you look at the problems, the offensive line with the Vikings, you know, some of the disconnect with the Packers, and, yeah, I don't expect, uh, you know, the Bears to win this division, but they're awfully dangerous right now, and I'm excited to see what they do, and I feel like, you know, I was a little bit overly cautious uh, in terms of, you know, jumping on board, but 
I think Bears fans have to be super excited. Even if even if the rest of the way you guys go 500, right, and maybe you miss the playoffs, the direction this team has taken, the the investment in Khalil Mack, the investment they have in the defense, and, you know, hopefully as some of these wide receivers, you know, continue to improve, Alvin Robinson, uh, you know, continues to get healthier and healthier. you got Burton at tight end. I mean, there's a lot of exciting weapons there. I think that the offense, you know, even if they don't, even if they don't make the playoffs this year, next year, the year after, that's a team that is going to be right in the thick of things, not just in the NFC North, but the NFC in general. And that, I mean, if I'm a Bears fan, then I'm not, but if I was, I'd be super excited. So, you know, try and contain yourself. You have to be sort of neutral on the radio, Trent, but you should be <laughs> privately happy and doing a dance. I, I try. Sometimes it doesn't work out very well, and I am smiling ear to ear. And in the mail right now, just got my tracking number. My Khalil Mack jersey will be here within a week. It'll be here after the bye week, and I'll be ready to go wear my freshly pressed number 52 out on Sundays. Hey, I mentioned suspensions with you, Andrew, and Julian Edelman coming back for the Patriots tomorrow night. Couple other hits, uh, starting with Mark Ingram with New Orleans. I I feel like I'm wrong on this one. I saw that Saints backslide defensively from a year ago. I thought it happened this year. I didn't think they were going to be a playoff team. They're off to a nice start. They get Ingram back, and of course, what they're doing in the backfield with Alvin Kamara. What is he going to be? And maybe this is more of a fantasy football question because yes, I do have him on two of my teams. What is that Mark Ingram going to be for the Saints when he gets back this week? Yeah, and I got him on a couple of dynasty teams still and one redraft league, and I'm not 100% sure because here's my thing. I feel like Ingram can still be a guy who could carry the load on offense, but they have Alvin Kamara, and they use him every which way they want to, and he's on the field all the time. So how much is Ingram really going to do? It's going to be a couple weeks before you can really trust him out of the backfield as anything more than even then that's kind of nice. But here's the thing that Ingram does bring you. You can line up two guys in the backfield here, or you can take Kamara and put him out in the slot, or you can you know, light him up sort of in the tight end positions or something if you want to. It gives you the flexibility to be able to do a couple of different things, and that multiplicity is not limited by the fact that, well, if Kamara's out in the slot, well, we know he's going to, you know, Drew Brees is going to throw because there's no one in the backfield that's really a threat. Well, no. So I think he's a guy who can, you, you know, still be there and get some carries. The problem is, is that his his ceiling is going to be capped as long as Kamara is healthy, and so you know Ingram to me isn't you know doesn't really feel like he's going to have a ton of value, but he might be a guy that you can play as a flex position every once in a while in really good matchups. But it's going to be a couple weeks before we really see how Saints decide to use him and and use Kamara. But it, to me, it could open things up for this offense in a very exciting way. There he is, Andrew Garda, talking NFL with us. Always enjoy the conversation. Andrew, Pro Football Weekly, you do work on fantasy stuff. Where can we find all the work that you're fine doing on the NFL? Well, I mean, you can, you can check me out uh, at PFW. You can also check me out at footballguys.com. Uh, you know, last week I was in, we do Fantasy Roundtable, so I jumped in on that last week. Uh, you know, it, I'm all over that site, and there's a ton of great content. Um, and also, I have my usually twice weekly podcast at the Whistle, which you can find on Podbean, iTunes, and Stitcher. Uh, I had some technical glitches yesterday, so I'm going to do a super size show on Thursday, so you can uh, check those feeds out Thursday afternoon and uh, have like a nice hour and a half. 
So if you're commuting um, on a long commute, then uh, you'll hear my voice for an awful long time. When you're not listening to Trent, of course. That's right. That, that You got that. You nailed it perfectly. That's why you're a true pro, Andrew Garda. Appreciate your time as always. No problem. I know who's but to kiss. <laughs> you're a good man. We'll talk again soon, Andrew. All right, see ya. Andrew Garda joining us. Find him on Twitter, at Andrew underscore Garda. He does great work. He knows the NFL inside and out. And certainly glad to have him part of our program here. Uh, every other week, usually, we try to get Andrew on. Love talking NFL with him. Knows it very well. As mentioned, we have a lot of football coming up this week, play-by-play, as we do seemingly every week. Give you a rundown. So you're out and about. You're doing errands. You're in the car. You're going places. you got things. You're not going to be able to watch all the football. Just keep it locked in here to 1700 because we have you covered. Starting tomorrow night, with the Thursday night football game, New England hosting Indianapolis right here on 1700. Then on Friday, our Central Iowa game of the week in the high school ranks, a top 10 matchup, undefeated 6-0 Indianola against 8th-ranked Johnston. That'll be our game, 6.30 with the pregame for that one, 7 o'clock with the kick with the Dragons and the Indians. Saturday, we got I against North Dakota State. That monster matchup, 1 o'clock kick for that Gary Ryan will take the airwaves at noon with the pregame show. You and I against the top-ranked team. Can the Panthers get it done in the Unidome? We'll find out Saturday. Then on Sunday, 1700s NFL team, the Kansas City Chiefs. They get Jacksonville coming in, and that great defense, that should be outstanding. 11 a.m. with the pregame show, noon kickoff with Kansas City and Jacksonville. Sunday night football then, Cowboys at the Texans. Monday night football, Redskins, Saints. We have it all right here, home and away, Thursday, Sunday, Monday night football with Westwood One, high school every Friday night, Saturday with the UNI Panthers, all here on 1700 KBGG. With that, we're going to take a break. We got Jimmy B waiting in the wings. He's making his way in, and uh, he's going to give us a few minutes here. We'll talk with Brinson, what's rattling around in his mind, and I got to give him a hard time because last night, you Cubs fans, it was a difficult night in its own right. And then he got Brinson out there trolling. We'll get into that with Jimmy B coming up next as we take you up until 6 o'clock tonight. Back with more in a moment. Back with you one final time. It's Jimmy B and TC here. 1700 KBGG, Trent Condon. And I'm joined with the other half of the show. He is Jim Brinson as he joins us here on a Wednesday. Jimmy B, first of all, how are you doing, my man? Are you staying busy at least? I'm always busy, Trent. You know, I'm out here. I'm 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 doing things, trying to uh, put the pieces of the puzzle together, and so I'm trying to give you information without really giving out information. Well, the the puzzle of your life is something that I never want to try to decipher. So we'll leave that <laughs> aside here, Jim. Uh, okay. Last night, of course, uh, we've talked a lot here today about the Cubs. What comes next for them? Looking forward after the loss in the wild card game to the Rockies and. Why, why were you poking the bear? Why, why do you like to rile up people when they're a little bit upset with their team? I know what you were doing. You were trolling last night. I wasn't doing any trolling. I was just speaking uh, flat facts. And the facts were they stunk the last couple of weeks of the season. And it was a case where their bats pretty much went silent. Trent, they scored two runs in 22 innings. Two. One, two. In 22 innings from a powerhouse club that is loaded with offensive talent, and they got nothing out of that talent when it counted. 
Remember, you always say to me, well, every game counts the same. Mm -hmm. And I always say, yes, sir, I know that you are correct. But I always say that you have to be playing your best baseball down the stretch. And they had a, the Cubs had a four and a half game lead on the Milwaukee Brewers, gagged that away. Then they gagged the game right there with, with the, with the, with the, uh, tiebreaker game. And then they gagged the, the wild card doing exactly the same thing. Uh, now, look, I know that there's irrational Cubs fans out there. They want everybody fired, Joe Madden, every, just, yes. you know, that's, that's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But I, I bet there will be, Trent. There'll be coaching changes and they will use those coaches as the scapegoat. And now it's funny because I've talked to a lot of Cubs fans here and they have just sort of indicated, well, they got to go get Bryce Harper. As soon as Manny Machado's done with the Dodgers, they got to go get Manny Machado. I mean, it's, it's like, it's like they're, they're trying to build the Golden State Warriors for the Chicago Cubs. Every, they, every star in Major League Baseball, if they're available, should come now and play for the Cubs. It is kind of funny. It is. I understand, though, wanting to fix the offense. And, Jim, this goes back to two years ago when they won the World Series. And they went all in, and they won the World Series. They brought in Araldis mm-hmm. Chapman. They they certainly mortgaged some of the future in order to do that. But the opportunity was also there at the time to not give away everything, to also look with Kyle Schwarber on the shelf as he was throughout that season. He still had a ton of trade value. And you heard it, Jim. We talked with David Kaplan. We talked to people, yep. and he was untouchable. It didn't make a lick of sense then. It doesn't make a lick of sense now. This is yet another thing that you look at, and you look at the history of Jed and Theo, and especially Theo, going back to his days with the Red Sox. A free agency has not exactly been the best thing for him. I know a lot of people are, are rushing to point the blame at Madden, when you watch a guy 164 times over the course of the year, as the diehards do, there's all kinds of things that you can nitpick. But also realize what he has done, what he can do for you over the course of the season. Overmanaging at times, sure, that happens. But I think you can point to almost every manager that does that at times. Jim, the thing is, when you look going forward, how confident are you that Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer are going to make the right moves to get this back up a rung? Baseball continues to change. Baseball continues to evolve. That bullpen Mm -hmm. is well behind most every other playoff team that you see out there. I mean, look at Oberg last night for the Rockies. That that guy came in. He's throwing Frisbees up there and the Rockies (laughs) bullpen. And that's not to say what you see in Milwaukee with their bullpen, what the Dodgers have been in the past. And the Cubs bullpen is behind. Can they fix that? Coupled with fixing the offense, coupled with the decisions that they're going to have to make, what do you do going forward with Addison Russell? What do you do with the Cole Hamels contract as that sits there? And on and on and on. I would be more concerned, not about my manager if I'm a Cubs fan right now, I'd be much more concerned about my front office. Uh, I agree with you from that standpoint, and it'll be interesting to see how they do address that. And you are correct with your assumption on the bullpen and, and how that all played out. Uh, I, I just think, Trent, that the front office will probably stay status quo. I don't see really any big overhaul there. And Madden's going to be there, and I'll go back to 
there might be a coach here or there change, and they'll use that as the scapegoat. But it is the front office that will have to make those difficult decisions. And look, they got they went after you, Darvish. Never worked out for them at all. They were really hoping that he would have a terrific season, and we all know how that circumstance played out. The Addison Russell situation is what we know of it at the moment is a deplorable situation. I don't expect to see him anywhere in a Cubs jersey. And so they will have opportunities to maneuver to bring in a couple of fresh faces. The thing that's going to be interesting for me is, A, can they address the situation well enough to shore up the bullpen? B, are they going to find another quality starter? And C, you were right about Hamels. What do they do with that? And that and that big contract. And what do they do with Darvish and that big contract? So Well Darvish they, isn't they, going anywhere because nobody's taking that contract off their hands. You you got that right. You're, I was just gonna mention that. And, and Hamels is gonna part. cost you twenty million dollars uh, for yes, next year if you yeah, pick that he up. Is. Yeah. And you got arbitration yeah. cases now that are coming up. And you mentioned the free agency signing, but look at Anderson in twenty seventeen. That was a disaster. Tyler Chatwood, that guy was awful. Absolutely awful for them this year. Mm-hmm. Yep. The multiple World Series that we were hearing about maybe uh, gets further and further away. It's it's going to be an incredibly interesting offseason, certainly for the Cubs, and we'll be talking about that a lot in the coming weeks and months. Jimmy B., we do have more baseball tonight, and uh, I, I know you're not a big throughout the 162, but I know how much you enjoy these one-and-done scenarios that we have. And the wild card game tonight, Yankees-A's, and you talk about two completely different ways of building an organization and building mm-hmm. a team. You look at this A's roster, you're like, oh, I know that guy. He sucks. Oh, yeah, I remember that guy. He was terrible. That's that's what the A's are, but suddenly, for whatever reason, it's a good <laughs> baseball team. And one of the worst pitchers I've ever seen pitch, Liam Hendricks, who was with the Minnesota Twins at the beginning of his career, some Australian guy. He's awful, was awful, and he was a guy that was with the Baltimore Orioles earlier this year, Jim, and the Baltimore Orioles who are by far the worst team in baseball, outrighted him, saying, you know what, this guy isn't good enough to play for us, and he'll be the opener tonight. He'll pitch the first inning for the A's versus the vaunted New York Yankees. It's absolutely incredible what Oakland has done this year, and you reference the pitcher. How about Chris Davis, uh, who hits all of these home runs? Trent, he has hit 247. 247 is his batting average for like four consecutive seasons now. The same average, 247, and he's just bombing the ball out of the ballpark. It's pretty much all or nothing uh, when he is uh, at the plate. Look, uh, the Yankees are a heavy favorite in this game, and rightfully so. Uh, I, I just think that there's just too much talent on New York, and their bats have not been quiet. They've been scoring in bunches. I, I just see the Yankees uh, winning this game and then moving on. Uh, it's been an unbelievable year for the Oakland A's, but when the A's are done, I guess you could say the best part about it is they can put the grass on the infield so the Raiders can play on a full grass field now. Oh, yeah, that, that's very true. You know, Jim, this uh, baseball playoffs is incredibly intriguing, and it won't be as fun around here without the Cubs certainly in the mix. Correct. But 
you still got yep. the Midwest team with the Brewers, and I understand the fan bases are completely different here in Des Moines, but there are still plenty of Brewers fans in this market and and uh, people from Wisconsin that have connections up sure. there. So you still yep. have that connection, but I look at these series matchups. I don't know if you're going to find any. I am so excited about Indians-Astros. I think that's going to be incredibly compelling. We might get Yankees-Red Sox. If we don't, we get David and Goliath, the A's against the Red Sox in the American League. Rockies-Brewers should be outstanding. And then the Baby Braves going up in their matchup against the Behemoth Dodgers. It's just a very compelling MLB playoffs this year. Different, no Cardinals, no Cubs, sure, mm-hmm. no Royals like we've had the last couple of years, and of course no Minnesota Twins, but the Brewers are there to give us a little local flavor and just a lot of good matchups overall. I'll tell you this, what the Major League Baseball networks are fearing the most, and I do—I mean absolutely fearing the most, Milwaukee Brewers, Oakland A's World Series. At least you got a big market with uh, Oakland, San Francisco. I think even worse would be Cleveland, Milwaukee. Wouldn't that be worse? Oh, I, I think Cleveland has has fans uh, a bigger fan base. The A's have no fan base except for uh, Oakland. If you're in San Francisco, you're not an A's fan at all. If you're in San Jose, you're most likely a Giants fan. The only A's fans, for the most part, are in the East Bay, and and that's about it. But that would be absolutely awful if that were the matchup. Look, we all know what the networks want. They want the Dodgers and the Yankees, or the Dodgers and the Red Sox. One of those two Northeast Corridor teams matched up against the Dodgers because the Dodgers are similar to what the Yankees and Red Sox are. They all have huge fan bases, and then they all have huge hating fan bases as well. And when you go and talk to fans of other baseball teams, what do they say? Well, who, who do you want... Uh, to win well if your team doesn't win anybody but the Yankees anybody but the Red Sox anybody but the Dodgers anybody but those but those three teams so that's what TV is hoping for for the most compelling matchup I want to see Yankees Red Sox in the divisional series I think it's it'd be great I know we yes, talked about that yes. this summer it was something that I had on my wish list and uh, a real possibility we will see with that one tonight and then tomorrow We're back to football, Jimmy B. It'll be Indianapolis and New England. We'll have the call here with Westwood One on 1700 KBGG. Quick hit before we get out of here, Iowa State and Iowa. Just uh, some quick thoughts as we go into it. Iowa State obviously needing a win against Oklahoma State this weekend. Iowa going up to Minnesota. Give us a hit on both the Hawks and Cyclones. Um, I think the um, I think Iowa State has a shot in this game against Oklahoma State, uh, just because you have seen Oklahoma State kind of struggle a little bit in the past couple of games. So I, I give the Cyclones a decent shot on the road. Uh, it'll depend on how healthy David Montgomery is. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're saying that he's better and that they think he's going to play, but you never know until game time. For the Hawks, look, Minnesota just doesn't have anybody. Trent, they might be calling you to come up and play quarterback. I'm, I'm, out, of, I'm out of eligibility. I'm sorry. Eligibility? Okay. Uh, no, so Nothing left. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But they're, they're just a team that has just been decimated with injuries. And for me, Iowa should win that game. 
Uh, I, I thought, I'm not going to say it's going to be an easy win, but I would think that they would win by 10 to 12 points, uh, even though it's a road game in Minneapolis. Surprised by the point spread. It opened at three, quickly moved up, and it's at seven right now. A lot of movement yeah. uh, early in the week, which you don't normally see, certainly going from one key number three and going to another key number of seven. Certainly don't see that very often. And, and for Iowa State, you know, the, the way I'm looking at it right now and before we know officially about Montgomery, Zeb Nolan certainly has to play better than he did against TCU. I've talked about that a lot this week, Jim. But mm-hmm. coupled with Iowa State, you know the last time they were blown out? I mean, you got to go back. Didn't happen last year. Certainly hasn't happened this year. you got to go back to, right. to before Matt Campbell, you know, year number one for him. So I, I really anticipate you're going to see a good effort and at the very least – Speaking of the numbers, I'm keeping it in it. But we still got a couple more games to break those games down with Iowa State and Oklahoma State, Iowa-Minnesota on tap, both games 2.30 on Saturday. Jimmy B., get out of here. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. All right, pal. Thank you, and you have a great day as well. So there he is, Jimmy B., checking in. He'll be back with us again tomorrow here on the program. Thursday, yes, uh, a lot certainly going on on a Thursday. Ken Silverstein will be by. We'll be talking some Big Ten football with him, and a whole lot more. If you miss any portion of today's program, you can always go back on our podcast page, 1700kbgg.com. Search Jimmy B and TC. Search Ken Miller Show with Trent Condon. It'll all pop up. You can catch our programs. Had a lot of great conversations today. And a big thank you to all of our guests. And a thank you to you for joining us this afternoon. Back at it tomorrow. Football will be back. Baseball tonight. I got that future wager. I talked about it a little bit. I'm holding an A's ticket 80 to 1 to win the World Series. Should I hedge it? I still have a little over an hour to decide what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to let it ride. I just, I'm going to let it ride. It was a small something, it was just a quick fire at a good, good number for the A's here a few months back as they were still 80 to 1. They were still even outside of the wild card. Seattle was still leading. I want to say it was in late June, early July, something like that, that I made the uh, the little pitch at 80 to 1. Again, when you're making these small wagers and going after these long shots, it's more about the fun for me. You know, that that's what really makes it interesting, keeps it interesting. So I'll have a, a different kind of viewpoint, certainly, of the game this evening. Enjoy it tonight, Yankees and A's. Tomorrow, the divisional round then will get going in Major League Baseball, NFL football, college football gets going. Also coming up this week, a lot going on at 1700. We have the big UNI game as they take on North Dakota State. We'll have the call for that one coming your way on Saturday. Before that, on Friday, a really good matchup in the CIML in district play. It is Indianola, formerly of the CIML, taking on Johnston. Should be a great matchup. Both teams ranked in the top 10. Indianola undefeated. The Dragons, many people believe before the year, if there was going to be somebody that could unseat the Dowling Catholic Maroons, maybe it'd be the Dragons. Dowling got them in the regular season. Since then, Dowling's had a couple of losses, though, in there. Two Valley, two Ankeny Centennial. Should be a lot of fun. District championship going to be not on the line because Waukee's also there and Waukee's also in the mix for that. But a lot going to be decided here over the final few weeks of high school football. And a top 10 matchup here with Indianola and Johnston, our Central Iowa Game of the Week, coming your way on Friday. We will do it again tomorrow. Check us out over the noon hour each and every day. Myself and Ken Miller from 12 until 2. And on your drive home, Jimmy B and TC 
from 4 until 6 o'clock. Thanks again to everybody out there for listening in. We're back at it tomorrow on 1700.